Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. I might have, I might have misspelled dogs. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry and me. What's up, Jerry? What's up, Pat? How you doing? Oh, you know, man. I'm doing well. Just fighting the good fight on behalf of the uh, of democratic socialists everywhere. How are things going over there in Boston? <laughs> I'm good, Pat. I just did my taxes today. I feel so productive. I, I decided to treat myself. I made myself a nice ribeye. Do, I saw that. Do your taxes, people. It feels good when they're done. And then you'd get a nice little fat refund to buy magic cards with. That's uh, fantastic. It, uh, it, it is the good old times. Uh, yeah, so, so how did you make your ribeye? Oh, uh, well, of course I got the skillet, Pat. You know, nice. Got, Cast iron, yep. Okay, bro- okay, okay. Broke the skillet out. Uh-huh. Uh, got it nice and hot. Put that ribeye in there, and then I just basted it in garlic butter. There you go. Hell yeah. Very nice. Well done. Well done, my friend. Well, I think. Um, <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. So before we get into the show, um, I just wanted to thank our newest patron, uh, A Duck With Pie. That's a, a <laughs> What? Great, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, what a cool duck. It's a ama- yeah, duck with access to uh, the internet as well, apparently. <laughs> exactly. So thank thank you so much for supporting the Patreon. We really appreciate it. Of course, we can always uh, you know use the support from the listeners. It's a, it's amazing help for us. Keeps the podcast going and and it's it helps us do a lot of the stuff we do for the community. So if you want to support the show directly, you can visit uh, patreon.com slash leaving like leaving a legacy. Sorry, uh, and that's all the housekeeping I have for this week, Jerry. So do you want to just get right into the episode here? Hell yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so we have a great guest. Uh, you dug up this week, Jerry. Why don't you go ahead and introduce? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mouthful of Marbles this week. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our awesome guest? Yeah, so we got returning to the cast, Pox Aficionado, uh, Mr. Daniel Holland. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, not to get our Pox lovers uh, riled up. We, uh, we're we not talking Pox today, though, correct, Dan? <laughs> no, but we can definitely shout out to uh, the spicy Pox <laughs> list that have been 5-0-ing, and shout out to Eric Landon for crushing it with uh, some sweet-looking... Pox bruise. Yeah. Is this the red white pox list? What? Black white. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Black, he white? also put up a, a blue black pox list as well. Sick. Also, I don't know what Pat's talking about with red white red white pox. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what pox it was listed. It was listed on the. Uh, <laughs> it's list. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I just can't read it. It's black white pox. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Gra- sorry. It's Gra- the- Grandpa left his glasses at the. Old yeah. Sorry. It's on the. It's on the deck dump that I posted in the uh, the show notes. Actually, it's the first one on yeah, top. Did there. they print? Smallpox and red, that'd be dope. I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it causes loss of life. Burn spell. Technically a burn spell. This is true. Uh, but the real reason why we wanted to have you on this week, Dan, is uh, you've been doing a little programming and you have a new website up. But really, I wanted to kind of talk about the brains behind the website because you're doing some cool stuff with uh, machine learning and algorithms uh, to kind of... I want to say break break the format wide open. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know don't don't get your hopes up. There's no breaking of the format anytime soon. Um, <laughs> the first thing that I that's on the splash page of the website is that Magic: The Gathering is basically the most complicated game that we know of, um, most complicated board game that uh, we know of currently. But yeah, in my day job, I'm a machine learning engineer, so I you know. Um, Hadn't been playing in a while. Like, I haven't had a whole lot of time to go out and play Legacy. So I was kind of looking for other ways to enjoy the game because I really do love the game. Um, and so I thought I'd play around with uh, some of the techniques that that I've been uh, putting into practice at work and try applying it to, to Magic. So Yeah, so basically for your day job, you design computer programs for... Uh, like data the elimination of the human species basically <laughs> yeah you're making cybernet right that's yeah pretty much doing? pretty that's, much that's how I, that's how i sold it to pat to get him to have you on the cast <laughs> yeah i've just been screaming in my basement all day so in preparation for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> sky skynet is now um, yep. yeah um, more or less i uh you know i i develop uh models that will 
uh, read text and then do something with that knowledge. So magic was a natural progression. Yeah, so basic, basically, you know, you're used to taking scans of documents and data, uh, pulling information off of those scans, and then putting that information to use. And theoretically, you could do the exact same thing with a magic card. You know, it's just uh, a magic card is just an image with information and rules and mechanics and how it interacts. And if you can design a sophisticated enough program, you can you know, get all sorts of uh, information and stats and knowledge from, uh, you know, the huge pool of cards. Yeah, exactly. Basically, we do math with uh, language. Uh, so I was just playing around with uh, what, what kinds of things I can do with the language on magic cards. So I haven't extended it to any of the other attributes of a card or even an image yet. Um, but just taking the rules text of cards that have rules text and playing around with it. Definitely. So, um, you know, what is the sort of info? So I guess I don't even know where to start with a topic like this. Like how does the program actually function? Yeah. I mean, um, basically in order to do math with words, you have to turn the word into numbers. Um, and there are, um, several techniques to do this. Uh, the, most basic of which I used for the level zero version of um, the model, which is what's currently up on the site. Um, and that is, given a word, uh, you try to uh, predict what words are around that word. Um, and then from that model, you can slice out uh, like an intermediate layer, just like a set of numbers. Um, and you can call that like the representation of the word in the middle. Now, this is called a word to vec. Um, and so what this allows you to do is to take the set of numbers associated with uh, the word king, subtract the set of numbers associated with the word man, add the set of numbers associated with the word woman, and what do you think you get? You'll get queen. That's the classic example. So you can take a king, subtract out the man add a woman and you get a queen. Thank you for giving the answer uh, quickly. So we didn't have to <laughs> sit here. Eyes are glazing over. What, what did he say two seconds ago? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm already completely lost. So continue. I understand now that I see the answer. So it's like things that are really, that are related to Kings men, things that are related to Kings, but aren't men, uh, women, and then women, are, all right, I've lost it now. <laughs> but, don't, don't, don't think about it too much. I just felt it slipping through your fingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, watched it, I watched my castle form and then crumble as the waves crashed. <laughs> it's encouraging that you don't, uh, that it's a little tough to follow. I mean, that makes me feel good that I have some job security here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand how it works, if not why it works. <laughs> yeah, so basically I was like, eh, what can I do here? What are some basic things? Um, so uh, the most basic of which is like um, typically what I'll do is I'll, I'll take the text, um, you know, convert it to numbers um, via this word to vec technique. There are many other more sophisticated techniques, but I tried the most basic stuff first. Um, and you can shove this through a class of deep learning models uh, designed to accept text of variable length. And then um, you get out a final representation of the entire set of text. And then you can run classification on that and ask, hey, is this like, does this set of effects seem blue or black or white, uh, green, red, colorless, or some combination thereof? So this is called the classification problem. So what I did was took the text, uh, rules text from the, you know, every card I could get, um, split it up to, to subset a train and a test and a validation set, and then uh, just tried to predict from text what colors cards were. Um, and it worked pretty well. So your most, your most, yeah, so your most basic version of the program is feed a computer some magic rules text, and the computer will predict what color that card should be. Yeah, it'll guess what color combination it is. Um, and it's not, you know... The, the version of the model I have is like a little over 70% accurate, so it's definitely not like perfect, but um, it's a really good starting place given that I haven't gotten in, into any of the like truly cutting edge techniques. <laughs> so when you feed it Sarah Angel, does it spit out green black? 
no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that's just straight white. <laughs> that, well, that was the big uh, the big controversy. Wizards did the great devi- designer choice. Uh, sorry, the great designer search, and one of the like. Uh, competitions that the designers had to do was if wizards was to pr- uh, print sarah angel today but not make it white what colors would it be mm. and the correct answer was green black and everyone was like what what the hell are you smoking wizards <laughs> that's <laughs> like fla- kind of fascinating like yeah like flying is traditionally if it's not white it's blue so the fact that sarah angel would be green black instead of blue uh through everyone for a loop. Yeah, that's just and Mark Water- flying in vigilance, right? Yeah, flying in vigilance. And Mark Rosewater had uh, some, I, I don't really know what the argument was, but he kind of explained it away with some R&D hand-waving. Yeah, basically the site says this is about, you know, you know, more or less 70-80% chance that it's white and 10% chance it's blue and basically zero for anything else. <laughs> So hey, we're we're so, not there. You go now. Mark Rosewater has job security because we're nowhere close to uh, green black there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so your most basic version of the program is just a color color predictor. Um, you know, just trying to put some poor wizards intern uh, out of their job. You know, their one job is to choose which color uh, the cards are. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I mean, I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to automate anyone away. Um, this is mostly like me playing around and. Um, you know, a way for me to enjoy the game uh, while also growing my skill set. So a lot of this was just to help me figure out how to get a website up and running um, sort of in the current uh, state-of-the-art microservice architecture. So you, uh, you know, just something something for me that I can learn and apply to work, but that I actually mm-hmm. enjoyed doing. So... I mean, your ultimate goal with advancing the algorithms, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the main reason why you also started, you know, came up with this idea was to be able to test formats out, you know, be able to find those Felindir Guardian Shahili combos, uh, you know, from new sets before anyone else can, you know, basically uh, put all the information to a computer which can test all the variables and, you know, solve new formats quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's sort of like a pie-in-the-sky goal that's a a bit more of a complicated uh, and, as I learned, a much more uh, lengthy endeavor uh, than the stuff I have been doing. I would like to get there someday, um, but there's just a ton of coding that you have to to do in order to actually set up all the cards, and then you do um, something called reinforcement learning. So this is what uh, Google did with, uh, or Google Brain did with AlphaGo. So they taught a uh, machine to play the game go and i think up the original version that they that they ran for their model was they looked at a bunch of games that humans had played uh, and it learned how to play like all those humans had had played all these previous go games and then they thought you know i wonder if we even need the human input what if we just like had a computer play against itself from the beginning without knowing anything ahead of time uh, and it turned out that that model ended up being like much better at the game go, or at least like it played very differently than a human would play. And they ultimately played against the world champion of go and um, uh, they crushed him basically. Uh, and it made some really interesting, uh, really interesting plays. So, so my thought is if you could do the same thing for magic, that'd be cool. The computer out innovated the human is what you're telling me, which is supposed to be our one edge, at least as far as all the sci-fi movies go. It's our innovation that'll see us through, but no, the, the, the Gao computer player just uh, out innovated the human. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it played very differently, right? Cause it had never seen the traditional lines of play. And, and when a human is playing, they'll often study like past masters, same with chess, right? You're going to study, past grandmasters are all these books of every game that Bobby Fischer ever played. And, and you're like trying to memorize all these openings that people have done in the past, yada, yada. Um, and you kind of get into this cycle of thinking about playing the game the way that humans have played in the past. Whereas the machine, basically when you're running simulations, it can build like hundreds or thousands of years of experience by itself um, relatively quickly with a lot of compute. Wow. So, 
that being said, Magic is a much more complicated game than Go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the amount of compute that you would need to, to do this would be pretty extensive to, like, break a format. Now, that being said, it would be nice to... Um, I think this could be a helpful tool for Wizards. There's, you know, been some... There's been a string of, like, not-so-good-look bans coming out lately. Um, they're trying to push the envelope <laughs> on the power level of cards, and they end up with these really, like, unfortunate, uh, crappy formats, and they have to do, like, emergency react bans. Whereas if you had a computer that could play, you know, a few hundred million games before you even release the set, before the card is even approved for a set, um, it might be able mm -hmm. to catch some of this, like, absurd stuff that that will happen eventually um and you could go That's back really and interesting, go actually. back and fix it before before it even comes out so could could the program like d do deck design and stuff so that's something i want to do you don't have to i don't think it's required uh to have like a, you know an, a simulated a, a game playing agent in order to do that i think there you can look at um what people have done in the past. So um, one of my, as Jerry well knows, one of my big beefs um, with Magic and, and with Legacy in particular is that um, while there are a very large number of decks and it's an extremely diverse format and I love it, a lot of people just don't brew anymore. Um, and they'll get angry at other people for, you know, trying something different um, and just be like, that's suboptimal, man. You know, like you're mm -hmm. just a weeb. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I feel, I, I feel Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some of them play stock lists of like you know decks that require no thought at all. <clears throat> Not saying who. Four show and tells man. Um, but I, I've always liked trying to play. You know, um, something interesting. You know, my my experience with Magic uh, from when I started playing was. Hey, go through my box of cards and and like look at my available options and think, oh, what's the cool deck I could build out of this? Um, and I've tried to carry that through my uh, my Magic playing career, and I just I'd like to see more of it, honestly. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I would like to be able to do is, hey, now that I have a way to represent a card as numbers, and I can have a way to represent a deck list as numbers. Um, allow people to put in a few cards they'd like to play with and then start suggesting cards like, hey, maybe these cards would be, you know, add an interesting effect to this deck or have synergy with one of the cards that you'd like to play and and try to build, like, a, a reasonably competitive deck, right? You want to you wanna be able to bring something fun to an FNM and, like, it would be great if you could win a couple rounds with something something new. And the whole thing, too, I mean, a big problem with brewing and legacy is just uh, testing it out and, you know, having competitive places to test new decks. Uh, you know, that's really a big downfall of a lot of new decks is you just don't get the opportunities to actually prove your points with the decks. But a computer being able to just play itself over and over again could really fine tune that for you, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Um like I said, that's a massive undertaking, and I think the, ma the the massive undertaking, honestly, is just getting all the cards coded up in a way, um, and actually the rules of Magic. We all know it's the rules are incredibly complicated and nuanced, especially in Legacy. There are some absurd interactions, um, and so getting all that coded up is the hard part. Actually, you know, designing the learning algorithm and, and hitting go to, to train on it and have it play against itself... That's not that hard as long, but you have to like build the environment uh, that it will play in first. So your biggest hurdle right now is you're missing the data set, but that data set exists because Magic Online is a thing. Like that is the rules of the game programs and all the cards in existence programs. So it's not like you'd have to create it from scratch. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's also um, Cockatrice is an open source uh, version of the game. Um, but uh, a lot of I'd, I'd have to add bindings to it essentially because I'm you know I'm I'm a Python programmer. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of machine learning engineers these days are, are coding in Python. Um, I think I don't remember what they wrote that in, but I don't remember if they wrote it in C or Java, um, maybe C plus plus. But uh, you know I'd have to. It, it is a non-trivial effort to port uh the rules of that game into a version that is consumable by me right 
But yeah, I mean, like in theory, this could all be done, right? So I may come back on this podcast in a couple of years and be like, I have done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other hurdle we talked about before, but we haven't mentioned on the cast is the computing power. So right now, uh, what you, I believe you told me before, but how, what would be the computing power necessary to import like all of Magic's cards and all of Magic's rules in order to, you know, break a format? So it doesn't take a lot of compute power to actually like store all those rules or, or even use them. I think the compute power comes in um, when you actually have the computer play against itself and try to update its policy for, uh, you know, like what should I do in what situation. You have to generate a lot of games. Um, and part of the, the hard thing about Magic in particular is there are 20-something thousand cards and you need a 60-card deck, and you can only have four of any card um, other than, you know, basic lands and cards that say otherwise. So the, like, number of combinations of possible decks out there is, you know, like, functionally infinite. It's it's technically not infinite. It is, it is bounded, but it's just enormous uh, by current standards. So um, mm-hmm. what I've thought about is starting with uh, a much smaller search space where you're like, okay, a standard environment is actually a lot smaller than you know a format like Legacy. Um, and seeing if you could build an agent that learns how to play a, a one given standard environment where there are only a few sets that are legal um, that, that significantly restricts the space of possible decks. Um, and it, it significantly restricts the cards that you have to actually like have coded up um, or even starting from the, like, even more basic, right? Say, the only two cards in existence are Forest and Lenore Elf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have a, uh, a computer learn how to, A, build a deck, and then, B, play a deck that is only Forest and Lenore Elves, right? Because there's, like, a little bit of decision-making that goes into that. It's not just cast every elf I can and attack every turn, right? Because if you have more elves in your hand than you are able to cast, but a Lenore Elf can actually add a mana, it, it might be correct to... Not you know, take a turn off and use your elf to cast additional elves in your hands to get ahead on board. So that that might be like an interesting, um, very simple uh, experiment that could be done. Um, yeah, I'll try that out and let you know how it goes. <laughs> the old Lanoir elf. But yeah, if you had to do like all of Magic or a format like Legacy, um, the nice thing is a lot of these experiments can be run in parallel once a deck is designed. Like w- once the agent has chosen a deck to to play a set of 60 or more cards, you can, you know, have that computer play against another computer um, and spin up a a new computer, which, again, makes a deck or or whatever. And they can all be playing each other at the same time. And then every once in a while, you all, like, get back together and say, oh, here are my results, right? And then you'll, like, batch update everyone, and everyone will learn how to play a little bit better, and then you go again and keep doing it. Um, But the amount of money that it would cost you to do that is prohibitive for like an individual person you know like sure google's got the compute but google doesn't really care about the legacy format um i think we could sell them we could sell it to them (laughs) it's kind of funny that uh strategy for computers learning because that's actually very similar to how players learn like if you're preparing for the pro tour everyone's on the same list everyone runs a bunch of games and then you come together and compare notes exactly it's just funny that uh the computer learning is the same way yeah i mean you know we we sort of um a lot of uh well a lot of the stuff in the in this field the the machine learning field um especially deep learning people are you know they try to make analogies to like how humans learn and, you know, a neural network, the original multi-layer perceptron was supposed to emulate like a human brain in the way that you have like, you know, neurons that are like, you know, on or off, uh, that fire or don't fire, et cetera. So there's a lot of um, thought and philosophy in trying to emulate how we as humans learn uh, in, in a lot of these techniques. Um, Pat, I'll, you know, we're nowhere close to, to like creating a legit intelligence that's very, 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 very far off. Um, Not when Elon Musk says. Yeah. I'll go on record and say that dude's at like, like a legit crackpot. Um. <laughs> 
All right, so so compute power for like running an entire format, you know, basically saving saving wizards from any embarrassing standard sets. Um, the cost kind of is too expensive. Even I mean, I, I don't even think wizards would probably want this to exist. But do you think it would be within wizards' realm, or is it beyond even that? Um, for an individual format, for a given format, you could probably do it. Um, yeah, it's up to them. Do they want to explore this avenue or not? I know they have people playing like Future Future League, but at some point this becomes like completely unsustainable. Um, and as we've as we have seen, um, and humans miss things, right? Like they can only play so many games. Um, and compute, you know, yeah. compute will come down. It'll it'll become cheaper. So um, over time, wizards could basically automate the future future league to to catch, uh, you know, crazy at least for standard a, a more controlled environment without so many data points. Yeah, I also want to put out there that I think you do want a future future league. I think you want humans playing the game. I mean, I know they're going in a digital direction, which you know I've got a beef with the you know the magic about this game, pun intended, for me is being able to sit across and make a connection with another human being and, and play a game um, on board. Like we're all looking at uh, most of us or, or, or plenty of people are on like computer screens all day. You come home, you watch Netflix, you're always in this, you know, screen viewing world. Um, and I just really enjoy getting out of that and, and playing a game of magic with people and making a human connection. That's, that's a huge part of it for me. So I think there are two things. I think you could build a tool that will help wizards find potentially really bad things that can happen in a format. And that's an important like thing. Felon, to, like Felon Derek Wart Guardian that was just missed. Like Wizards came out and said, yeah, we just missed this yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. So you can avoid you can avoid situations like that. Um, what the computer is not going to tell you, which is also um, probably a more important aspect to a format, is is the format any fun to play? Um quantifying fun is not something that we can do right now. So I think you still want people playing a format um, and deciding, hey, you know, it's actually just not that fun. The, you know, the avenues of play seem, you know, a little bit too similar. Um, that's going to be real hard to catch with uh, like a computer model. But the computer model can tell you when, hey, all things considered in a given format, assuming perfect play by everyone, the format devolves into this is the best deck by a very long, by like a huge margin. Uh, which is something they, they they don't want to avoid, and is frankly embarrassing when it happens. And I, it's totally understandable. You know, um, I just want to you know say I respect the people at Wizards of the Coast. They do a great job. They put out a wonderful game that we love. Uh, please, please, like rein in the you know the digital aspect. Um, but but otherwise, it's it's really good. Um, but I think you can. I think there are some some pretty modern techniques you can use to. Um, catch some of these really unfortunate uh, emergency bans that have have happened lately. So one thing, so you know, having the entire magic uh, database of cards is a bit daunting, and solving an actual format is daunting. But what about going back to the Lanawar Elf example? Um, making a program that could actually tell you and settle the debate once and for all uh, match win percentages between two specific lists. You know, I want to upload list of deck A versus list of deck B, and I just want the computer to tell me, you know, what percentage of the time does deck A beat deck B? Yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. Um, I think, you know, people in Legacy are, are spikes and, and Legacy folks. There are, there are plenty of spikes in Legacy, and, and if you're playing Legacy, there's some amount of spike in you somewhere. Um, would want to know that, and that's definitely something you could do. So how far away are you from doing something like that? Um, that is a relatively simple example, but even there's like a little nuance to that, right? So for example, Sneak and Show, if I wanted to, to say, what's the Sneak and Show versus Death and Taxes matchup percentage? Um, you need a Sneak and Show list and a Death and Taxes list, right? And everyone kind of like tweaks and puts their own little spice and they're, they're like, you know, a few card differences here and there between decks that can, that can swing a matchup pretty dramatically. Um, so I think for a set, you know, for two exactly set deck lists, that's something that, you know, I could spend um, a couple months coding up exactly all those cards and running some simulations and, and coming out with an answer uh, but then you're like, oh, well, yeah, what if, 
what if I put a couple of braids in the sideboard? Well, no, that's totally different. You got to go back, cut up a braid, throw it in there, run a whole bunch more simulations, yada yada. So it gets pretty, it gets pretty, you know, um, it gets complicated pretty fast. But I, I would say it's doable, just hard. And you know, as you guys may know, I, uh, you know, my wife just gave birth to our first kid uh, less than two weeks yeah. ago. So. I don't exactly have uh, a <laughs> couple months full time to be able to to code that up. Listen, life's all about priorities, Dan, and we got the twenty k coming up, but I'm going to need those results. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, my paternity kicks in before the forty k, so uh, I can uh, I can let you know there what you your go. sneak and show matchups are against whatever the boogeyman is. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> Awesome. So you have a, a website up now, though. Um, you got that all set up. Um, so what do you have running right now that people can actually check out? Yeah, so I threw up um, the, a couple of models. One is just the color prediction model that we mentioned, and one is um, like a, a take on that. The exact same model, just without predicting the color, um, slice out that numeric representation of uh, an effect that we talked about earlier that tries to go find um, effects uh, that are similar to that. So these are both up at magic.fan. Um, and right now, like, the color prediction is pretty decent. Uh, the finding similar effects is pretty crappy, um, which is unsurprising. Uh, but, you know, I'll definitely be iterating in the next few weeks. And, um, you know, like I said, I think in May, uh, my paternity leave will start, and I'll be... Uh, I've heard from uh, coworkers that that have kids that you have a lot more time than you think during during that time, and I I get six weeks, so um, in that time you can expect uh, you know a few more models to pop up. Sweet. So, what's kind of like the next model you're you're thinking about working on to throw up on the site? Yeah, I think um, the the next immediate step is a make those two models that are up there better, and b um, Channel Fireball actually someone from Channel Channel Fireball released. Uh, legacy matchup data from uh, that last GP, uh, which is super cool. Um, so I'd like to explore ways of, um, you know, encoding numeric representations of an entire deck list and do a matchup prediction uh, just, just based on that single tournament and then see if we can use that to um, generalize a little bit and say, throw in, hey, if I tweaked a couple cards... What does the model say? The matchup changes, you know, uh, you know, does it change a few percentage points? If so, in what direction? And just kind of see if that jives with with our gut feeling. So, I mean, that's definitely a baseline, like just taking a specific large tournament and coding it with that data set. Obviously, that information isn't going to be very useful for future tournaments as far as predicting, but it'll at least give you a general idea of where things stood. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can look at that snapshot in time. Um, I think probably the hardest thing to control for in this particular case is, um, you know, different players play at different levels, um, and there's not enough data for for any individual player throughout the course of a tournament to... um, you know, normalize completely for, you know, the effect of one player being better than the other. Um, I played plenty of matches where I was probably favored, but I was playing people who were just better than me. Um, and they, they find a way around, you know, whatever tricks I was trying to pull. So, uh, it's hard to account for that effect, but if you just go in with the assumption that eh, everyone plays, you know, at the same level, uh, which is unrealistic, but if you just, you know, take that, then, um, you can uh, you can generalize a little bit, right? If we take if you have learned how to encode a card not based on playing a game, but based on just the text on that card, and then encode a deck just based on collections of cards, and then we're like, oh, this player played this collections of of cards, this player played another collection, and you know, player A won two games out of three. Uh, then we can learn how to. Um, predict the probability of any collection of cards playing against any other collection of cards. It might not be great, but I think it's worth exploring. And and this, yeah, this data has not existed in the past, so I can't, or, or, or at least that I could find. Um, and, you're, you know, you might think, eh, it was only like a whatever, like 15-round tournament. But when you have like a 15-round tournament and several hundred players, you're talking about thousands of matches, which is, you know, not a... That's actually a you know a small data set, but it's enough, I think, um, to learn something. For sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it's you got to start somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that that is actually, I think I've pulled all of that data, um, and there's a little bit of cleaning that needed to go on in order to match up uh, deck lists with player IDs. Um, but I've got all that set, so uh, I think that's the next thing I'll throw up there. I think I have a placeholder on the website right now for that. Um, that's just like a coming soon, but I can see that going up in the next month. And that would be like what you said, upload deck list A, upload deck list B, and then we'll try to figure out what the matchup percentage would be. And, you know, at that point, there's no way to test that, right? Um, so I'd really love some feedback once that's up on, you know, you're an idiot or you're a genius. <laughs> And uh, what's the website again for people to check out? Yeah, the website currently is magic.fan. Man, cash that in. Like 10 years from now, sell that to Wizards, and I bet it'll be worth a fair penny. (laughs) I mean, I think there's a lot you can do with these current techniques. And like I said, this is basically me playing around and learning how to actually get something deployed. Um, But it's, you know, I think it turned into a little bit more just because I, I really do love this game uh, a lot. So I hope that Wizards gets on board with uh, some modern techniques and starts putting out some like really interesting products like this. Um, Especially with the, you know, as they transition to digital, like you said, they've got a ton of data and that's just like a pure gold mine and and they could do some pretty amazing stuff with that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Anything else you want to say about the program before we move on to the, uh, the deck dump? Um, No, I just want to real quick, I forgot to do this at the beginning, but poop, you know, I've been saying a lot about wizards and how much I respect them and, and I really do. But poops on wizards for making worlds on arena. That shit was trash. <laughs> that was yeah. pure trash. I, I like I saw on Twitch like, hey, worlds is on, and I got so excited. I used to, you know, I remember like back when you had to like download the files, the video files for worlds. I remember being in like Canada or something, visiting cousins, and knowing I wasn't going to have like a good quality internet connection, and downloading all these video files and like going and watching worlds. And I wasn't even a standard player. I just really enjoyed watching the like the drama, the tension, and the players playing standard. Um, And I turned on Arena, and I was like, dope, it's a mono red mirror. Oh, and this is ugly, I don't want to watch it. I'll check on it in, like, another hour. And I come back on, dope, it's another mono red mirror. What the hell is this? Yeah. Uh, You know, Wizards are going to do what they're going to do, and, you know, maybe they're leaving some of us behind, but... You know, they'll do what they want to do, and if we want to watch it, we will, but otherwise we won't. Yeah. I just think that's a shame to have, like, such a such a big tournament um be just like a couple players on a computer across from each other mm. yeah um, <laughs> like magic is magic is like it's it's not like other esports right they're trying to hop on the esports train like the other esports are like real time and extremely exciting magic is not that exciting when it's on a computer screen i think it's it's really like i just w- enjoy watching you know the cardboard live as it were yeah they're they're gonna keep uh pursuing that esports thing and it, they're, they're not going to stop unfortunately but yeah i agree it's uh it's so disheartening to see two pros sitting across from each other looking at at monitors with giant headphones on so they can't hear anything around them it's just like wow just just don't even have them in an arena just have them at home yeah don't bring these people in (laughs) this is absolutely stupid yeah it just doesn't make for good watching you know it doesn't make for good viewing so I, i don't know what they're doing yeah well, well, what they've been doing is, inf- is like artificially inflating their viewing numbers, but we don't have to talk about how they've embedded views and all these different web pages and stuff. So, a rant uh, yeah. for another time. Yeah, yeah, not for today. Um, I did want to talk about some of these uh, these really spicy five uh, O's uh, deck lists from the Legacy Leagues that came in the deck dump a couple days ago. Yeah, let's talk about all the pox lists. You know, forget everything else. Yeah, let's talk I, about pox. That's the first. <laughs> that's the, well, that's the first one on the list. So. Can we talk about Myth Realized being in this deck? Is that something that we've normally seen in Pox list? Hell yeah. <laughs> Myth Realized. Jerry, a car that Jerry's been specking on for years now? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many Myth Realized. Take it home. This looks very similar. Shout out to Aaron, right? Um, Aaron used to play a black-white Pox list a lot with like the Sinkles mm-hmm. and the Vindicates. And I think he was... I want to say he was on Myth Realized for a bit when it first came out. Um, it's a really good card. I mean, basically Pox is like all right, I'm going to play a bunch of cards that make you miserable and take away all your resources, and my goal is to just have some, you know, a couple threats that are annoying and difficult to answer that just, like, nug you here and there um, and kill you over time. So, myth, you know, something that's not going to die to, like, smallpox or innocent blood, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool, and there's not a ton of enchantment removal. You're not going to face a lot of enchantment removal. I mean, you'll see, like, Assassin's Trophies and, and uh, Abrupt Decays, but other than that, there's not a ton of 
removal for enchantments in the game. Most enchantment removal is also expensive. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's usually at least two. There's very little uh, enchantment removal at one, and smallpox is a deck that can prevent people from ever getting that second land drop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think you you also dodge a few. Like there's people tend to play a little bit more artifact hate. Um, and so I know in the past, like some players, and I think one of the players in this event was playing a Phyrexian totem as a win condition. Uh, but that, you know, that just dies to a few more things. Like, it's 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 going to die to a disenchant, but it's also going to die to, like, an abrade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also interesting to see Castle Loctawain in the uh, in the lands package here. Is that just something that's becoming, like, a staple in these uh, these pox decks? So I can definitely tell you from my experience playing mono black before I switched to black green during Miracles Days. Um, like, you can often feel like you've stabilized and won the game, but you, your goal is to get both players into top deck mode where mm-hmm. you just have more resources to deploy something if you draw it, right? Yeah. And I just, I've lost way too many games just where I just draw like four lands in a row and they're just absolutely doing nothing for me. Yep. So that seems like a massive addition to the deck where you're like, okay, you know, my land can draw me extra cards. And, you know, the downside to Castle of Wayne is you got to pay life for the number of cards in your hand. But when you're playing a pox deck, most of the time both players have zero to one cards in hand. So mm-hmm. end of turn, you're drawing a card, paying one. Like we all know, one life for a card is a bargain. So right. Also, why isn't it legendary? Like this land screams legendary, yet you can have multiple in play. Don't think about it too hard, Jerry. Don't worry about it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree, Jerry. I thought that was strange too. I think actually, I think on the last stream. Uh, Zach may have explained to me why this wasn't a legendary land, but I don't remember if that came up or not. So if you want to watch like 12 and a half hours of stream to find out the answer to that, you can do that. If I if I do it and it's not a satisfying answer, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, you're probably going to be very upset. <laughs> I watched 12 hours and it's like, just go with it, man. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Um, there is also a mono green vial list. Did you guys take a, take a look at this one? Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty spicy. That was awesome. This is is, is this is this a commander deck? <laughs> Dude, Thrun, this deck Thrun is, the last troll. Amazing. It is that wild. Card's amazing. It's got Vivian Reed, which I thought was like one of those uh like uh introductory planeswalkers. I don't know how it was like a real planeswalker on the set. So it's got four noble hierarch, four aether vial, four once upon a time, four green sun zenith, mm-hmm. and then everything else is a one of <laughs> some of these cards i've never even heard of great Ar- great sable stag i've never heard of that card Ar- arasta the endless web two green green for a three five spider with reach whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell create a one two green spider creature token with reach yeah that thing is that thing's awesome dude Corsair crew fix eternal witness great sable stag heartwood storyteller Hex Drinker, Master of the Wild Hunt, Questing Beast, Ramanap Excavator, Rex Sage, uh, Runic Armasaur, Scavenging Ooze, Scrib Ranger, one Tarmogoyf, one Thrashing Brontodon, one Thrun, one Whisperwood Elemental, four Green Sun, four Once Upon a Time, four Aether Vial, a Birthing Pod, uh, a Jite, <laughs> and a Sylvan Library. This deck is wild. How did the did this deck just like dodge all the combo decks? Like that is my thought on it. Uh. It's got like three Veil of Summer in the sideboard, and that is it. Otherwise, this deck is, feels just like straight dead to combo. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think part part of the you know part of the reason you're seeing Pox coming up with these five O's, other than it's you know Eric Landon piloting one of them, and he's just a phenomenal player that could play him sandwich in five O league. Is uh, a lot of people are playing fair decks, right? So. Pox had its heyday when everyone was playing some version of a fair deck. I think I remember I hopped on Pox when I saw Reed Duke play it and everyone was on like Delver and like Wizards. It was like blue, red Delver where everything had like one toughness in the deck. It was like, you know, Snapcaster Vendillion click. So you could just play like a uh, unengineered plague on Wizards and everything in that deck died and they could never win the game. Um, but when people are playing fair decks, that's when Pox becomes, you know, you're designed to prey on, on the fair decks that have like 10, 12, maybe 14 creature threats, and then a bunch of like random cantrip spells that aren't really going to do anything for them. So I would, I would guess that there's a lot of, um, you know, enough, enough fair stuff around that just building your deck to completely crush fair stuff and kind of YOLOing it on the, uh, 
<laughs> on the combo matchups is probably decent right now. Um, and I think I heard that um, on your cast, actually, right? So, um, you know, pre-preliminary shout-out to Freya for taking down the open uh, with fearless lands, right? So no spheres. Mm. Just being like, yeah, YOLO it on the combo matchups, and hopefully I'll be able to steal some matches from them, but I'm just going to lean into beating the fair decks. And that seems like a pretty good strategy right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious if, like, the rise of underworld breach decks makes that less of a of a solid gamble, but I don't I don't know I really don't know I mean, Dark Wanix is able to five zero a league with this pile of cards that I, I don't even I don't even think you could like I don't think you could five zero a local F and M so uh, that's really impressive yeah so speaking of uh, the pox decks there was another pox that five uh, would as well um, this one by flank attack. <laughs> Um, this was the one you were mentioning before, Dan, that was running the Phyrexian Totem, which is awesome. It's like a Phyrexian Negator, um, uh, artifact creature, but it's, uh, or not creature, but three for an artifact. It has tap, add black to your mana pool, or it has pay two in a black. Phyrexian Totem becomes a 5-5 black horror artifact creature with trample until end of turn. Whenever Phyrexian Totem is dealt damage, if it's a creature, sacrifice that many permanents. So good old Phyrexian Negator, but in a little artifact form. Yeah, it's on a stick. Again, basically, you get to play a Negator, and it doesn't die to uh, it doesn't die to just like an Innocent Blood or a Smallpox or something. So that's that's typically um, you know something Pox has had to think about, and something I had to think about a lot. Like, do I want to play you know a bigger creature? Um, that's a little bit cheaper or has some sort of evasion, uh, but that will still die to my removal. Um, and the goal there being try to put your opponent on enough of a back foot that once you land that, it can get there. So uh, like, for example, Tomb Stalker in the past, you know, make sure your opponent's down to like one or zero lands and drop a Tomb Stalker and hope, you know, that just gets there. Um, but... Uh, if you go a little bit more of a controlling route, you just want something that is going to be able to kill the opponent through your removal, and you don't have to worry about it because if they land something, you're going to want you're, you know you're going to want to cast a smallpox, and you don't really want to lose your threat. So I know I've played like curse scroll in the past, um, and this is basically that. It's a little riskier version of that, but it closes the game much faster, which is pretty important. Yeah, uh, I just like the uh, the two nether voids in this list. Break those uh, legend cards out. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very good card. I think yeah, I had a good uh, uh, Star City experience one time. Were you there? I was like I was playing against I think Matt Costa um, at the time, and he was just you know starting out on the Star City circuit and hadn't played a lot of Legacy. And I <laughs> oh, cast yeah. a Nether Void against him, <laughs> and um, it was an Italian Nether Void. And so he's like, "What does that card do?" And I'm like, "Well, it mana leaks every spell essentially." It was um, yeah. And he called the judge, and the judge was like, yeah, it mana leaks every spell. This is what it does. And he just, like, yells down the table at his buddy, yo, you heard of this card that mana leaks literally everything? He goes, oh, yeah, another void. That's a sweet card. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll force that. <laughs> Ten-minute ten decision to force. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also rounding it out in the 5-0 list, not quite a pox list, but a mono black control yeah, list, this also, also 5-0'd. Uh, this one's sweet. So I just want to go down this because there's a lot of cool stuff in this list. Dude, the dinosaur, man. I want the I want the pox list to play the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, better than Frankzian Totem, I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, so this one by Media Magica, uh, 5-0'd. Uh, four Ashiok Dream Renderer. Um, that's the one that shuts down the fetch lands. Uh, four Liliana of the Veil, two Liliana of the Last Hope, four Dark Confidant, three Marlin the Morn Song. I had a sweet deck that uh, ran this plus Obnixilis uh, for <laughs> for a nice combo, but Marlin reads uh, one black black for a two three. Players can't draw cards. Uh, at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player loses three life, sacrifices his or her library, or uh, sorry, searches his or her library for a card, puts it into his or her hand, and then shuffles his or her library. So, how, do, how does that work with Ashiok? Does Ashiok prevent that or no? Exactly. So uh, that was what Obnixilis used to do. Obnixilis was the same thing, but it cost uh, five. Ashiok does the same thing for only three. Does it, though? Uh yeah, spells and abilities your opponents. Oh, sorry, that's your opponent's yeah, control. Yeah, so it right. doesn't stop Ob that. Not, 
Yeah, so it doesn't stop. So Ashiac doesn't stop. Maybe they have another uh, thing going on. But uh, four Rotting Regisar, four Hymdatorak, four Thoughtseize, uh, four Dark Ritual, three Fatal Push, one Liliana's Triumph, and 23 Snow-Covered Lands. Spells and abilities your opponent. So nothing else in yeah, the I list. Yeah, I thought maybe there'd be some, some kind of... Uh... I feel like, why is Marlin in the list if that doesn't work because i mean that's what i used to do i used to run it with obnixless obnixless said players couldn't search libraries so basically marlin shut off your opponent's draw step right. or they never drew another card right i thought obnixless was you can search your library it just costs you 10 life oh yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> so your opponent can either draw a card or die <laughs> well i mean they have to right um it happens they just they take 13 and they get to tutor and you hope that whatever they tutor for, it doesn't break up what you're currently doing because they're going to take another 13 next turn. Right, or if they're already on 13 did, or less. Did you notice this deck is running three chains of Mephistopheles in the sideboard? <laughs> I did. They're going one step above, not two chains, three chains. <laughs> it's a whole extra chain. Yeah, someone really doesn't like Brainstorm. <laughs> yeah, I, the Marlin is so strange. I want, like, there's no combo with it. I mean... Probably they're banking on the fact that whatever you're tutoring up is going to be better than whatever your opponent's tutoring up, especially when people are playing a ton of cantrips, right? right. It's like Marlon says you can't draw cards, so if you know two-thirds of your deck is basically just draw spells to get you to some random stuff that you're tutoring for an answer to whatever they have, eventually they're going to have to start tutoring for a completely useless card. I still feel like that's way too dangerous of a game to be playing in Legacy. Like, Maybe. I mean, like, you know, definitely against you, right, Jerry? <laughs> well, yeah. You're going like, to tutor up, like, the, you know, then, whatever like, you need to combo off. Yeah, but then your opponent could also just tutor up the answers to your stuff. Like, I feel you would want them drawing cantrips when you have the uh, Ashiok, or not the Ashiok out, um, when you have Marlin, like, because if players can't draw. Oh, yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, she shut. Is there really just no. Is there really just no better ability in Legacy, though, to shut off cantrips? Yeah, there's chains, but they're playing chains. I think I think up front, right, if everyone's playing a lot of fair stuff, right, if, if you're playing against Rug Delver, for example, what are their answers for your stuff? I guess they have bolts, um, but barring bolts, they don't really answer your things. They're going to cast, like, a Tarmogoyf, and then you're going to tutor up a Liliana the Veil, and you're going to make them sacrifice their Tarmogoyf. Yeah. Okay. Or you're going to get a rotting Regisaur and a like, cool Tarmogoyf, I have a 7-6, right? And you just get like four of these 7-6s and they just, your your thing is better than their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or you get a Dark Confidant, right? So like, yeah, you're not drawing cards. Your opponent is also not drawing cards, but Confidant does trigger on your turn. So you get to like, get a card off Marlin and a card off Confidant. So you can get a little bit ahead on cards. Yeah. Man, this... uh. This deck definitely brings back the suicide black feel. Like, you are losing life uh, left and right with this deck, but just trying to win the game before you uh, die to your own stuff. I mean, having a three mana 7-6 helps. Yeah, for sure. Uh, does it have trample, too? No, it doesn't. No, you can jump it, but I mean, when there are four of them, that's effectively trample. <laughs> I like this uh, in the sideboard, Dystopia. I had to look this one up. It's from Alliances. Uh one black black cumulative upkeep one life during each player's upkeep if that player controls any green or white permanents he or she sacrifices a green or white permanent that's some interesting sideboard spice yeah i wonder what that's there for right because there's definitely better stuff against taxes uh i think it's what most, i would love i think it's mostly for the green stuff there's just a ton of green based decks right now y- yeah that makes sense i guess you could play like you know, um, what is it? There's like two and a two and a black just for all green creatures. Yeah. Uh, what? So what I think is probably missing from this in the sideboard. You got four ley lines, and you have Marlin in in the main deck, right? So like a one of a one of Helm seems pretty cheap to throw into the sideboard, and you like open with a ley line, cast Marlin, untap tutor for your Helm, and cast it, and you've got like an additional win con for basically nothing that is too durable. That'd be cool. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And you're playing the rituals, right? So you can, you can like ritual it out and activate it. So I like this a lot. I like the dinosaur. <laughs> Regisar. Mad style points for winning with the dinosaur. <laughs> uh, we got white faces. Ah, oh, good old Calum. 
uh running some bug uru uru's been uh popping up here and there mm-hmm. i saw a bunch of it but i haven't seen le- much of it lately in the last couple of days i must be do- uh, dodging it but yeah uru is definitely doing some work in the meta right now jerry have you played this deck? can you explain to me what is happening uh uru just like you think you deal with it and then you'd find out that you didn't really deal with it and he comes back and he beats your face in that's my experience with uru <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're always like, oh, it's pretty bad because you have to exile five cards. And it doesn't look like they're really facilitating that in any way, but it's legacy so naturally you have a bunch of random cards in your graveyard so it can just come back. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so Caleb's running Chalice, so he's not running a bunch of cantrips is what is what we usually see fueling graveyards in legacy. Um, you know, people filling up their, their graveyard with uh, ponders and brainstorms and thoughts uh, scours and things like that. Uh, Caleb's going with just the Chalice of the Void, and uh, I guess he's going to cast Uru from his graveyard when he's good and ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you got forces and days and decays, so you got spells to go there. Your diamonds are discarding lands. Um, you can bring them back, right, because you have the Excavator as a one-of, but... Um... I mean, Sylvan Safekeeper, if you if you had to, right, you could start, sack, you know, tap a bunch of lands, sack them all, and then recast the Euro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's a play that comes up every now and then. But yeah, so... He's got fetches in Wasteland, so... Uh, yeah, he's got plenty of fuel to cast this thing a few times. Yeah, so he got three Oko, one Collector Oof, four Ice Fang Coddle, which I've been, I've been loving lately. I've uh, been playing Blue-Green Omni Show with Ice Fangs, and... That card is everything I want it to be. It's great. <laughs> I love one of my opponents attacked with uh, attacked me with a meddling mage on show intel, and then I flashed an ice fang coddle, uh, killed the meddling mage, and then was able to cast show intel the next turn when I untapped. <laughs> I don't like how they call this. Uh, well, the the list in and Reddit is called the Bug Uro Stompy list, but it's not really a Stompy list. I mean, it does have Chalice of the Void, but it's not really running any soul lands that you would think of a Stompy list running. Yeah, not like a ton, I wouldn't really not a ton of ramp either. But outside the Mox Diamond, there's really no ramp in this deck. But it's yeah. very sweet. Oko's uh, Oak three Oko in the deck. Yeah, I like the uh, bringing back Leovold. I think that's sweet. And Uro's Uro's a sick card. I think we said even said it on the when we did our set review for that. Right, do we even do a set review for this? Yeah, we do. We, I think we I'm pretty sure we we had talked about Uro. That's a pretty cool card. Yeah, for sure. It's doing work. Uh, what about you, Pat? Any other decks catch your eye with this deck? Um, let's. See. I really haven't gotten to too too much. There's a cool blue red Delver Dreadstill list. Um, uh, yeah, from from Rodney. Yep. Um, Bug Doomsday from Monkeys Can't Cry, which is pretty cool. But I haven't gotten a chance to go down all the the uh, the lists, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, there's some spicy stuff. I, I highly recommend people checking out the Reddit page, uh, the subreddit for Legacy, because there's some cool stuff in there. Nice. Uh, any other decks you wanted to talk about before we start to wrap up, Dan? Dan has, he had to go. Oh. Or he had to go. He will be back shortly, he said. <laughs> well, let's get into scoops and poops while we're, uh, while we're doing this, while we're waiting for Dan. And who are you scooping in top A this week, Jerry? Uh, I'm scooping in the delicious ribeye that I had, Matt. Nice. It was so good. I'm scooping myself in. I'm being selfish. Nice. Like, I killed that ribeye. <laughs> like, man. It was great, like better than you could get at a restaurant. Awesome, I like that. I like that. I, I think I think doing it in the um, in the cast iron is probably like one of my favorite ways to make a Yo. make a good steak. So cast iron, garlic butter. Yep. that's how you got to do it. I'll usually uh, like make my own. I'll, I'll like mince my own garlic, throw butter in there, and then um, do some fresh rosemary too, and then uh, spoon that over the over the steak. It's really good. Hell yeah, man! Yeah. Any any poops? Uh, tax man, fuck the tax man. Oh, did you? Oh, you didn't owe this year, did you? <laughs> uh, I I was able to kind of just about break even. So. Really? Yeah. Man, I would think you'd be. I think you'd make. I feel like you'd make a killing. No, the the goal, Pat, is to break even. Because if you get a huge tax return back, you know what that is. That I know just, you gave the government an interest free loan. I understand. I understand. I that, I could use my money a lot better than the government can. <laughs> As a sovereign citizen, <laughs> have I told you about the movement of the sovereign citizens, sir? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> hey, Dan. Before we get too far down the rabbit hole, is there anyone you want to scoop into top eight this week? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think, um, I guess, a couple scoops. The first one, I'm a little late to this, um, but 
for sure scoop in Freya for taking down the open. Um, I think that, you know, Freya's an exceptional player, and she always brings, like, crisp, like, amazing legacy play. Uh, but also, she brings a warmth to the tournament that is sort of lacking elsewhere. Um, and I think that's just a really rare combination and really just, like, lights up any tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, big scoop there. Um, second scoop to, like, an actual legit legacy podcast that uh, helped me through um, when I had, you know, the kid, when we had our, our, our baby and I was in the hospital and, and I needed, you know, something to listen to while, you know, rocking her to sleep. There's uh, this oh, cast yeah. for this format called Legacy. I think You're, it's oh. called The Dead Format, maybe. Have you heard oh. of this? Oh, them. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So shout out to those guys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sure, that's exactly who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> and you too, Jerry, and you too. I listened to you guys too. Dan lied to me. He said he was going to name his daughter after me, and I I believed him. I believed him. That's that's very true. I mean, you, you should never believe me. I'm a bad person. I was a Pox player for six or seven years, Jerry. You should know this already. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, no, I think you guys and, and you're not going to scoop you know, your Ian wife in. <laughs> you're not going to scoop your wife in for giving birth what, like a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to keep it magic related, but yeah, sure, I'll scoop my wife in for giving birth. Um, also, you know what? Here we go. Here's a magic related thing for my wife. I'll scoop her her in magic wise. She for Christmas got me a onesie to give to our daughter, and it says. Uh, uh, my dad tapped my mom, and now I'm here. Oh, and it's no. got all the symbols, so that's pretty great. Uh, uh, yeah, shout out to her for supporting me and my magic addiction. Is that in the wizard store? <laughs> no, absolutely not. This was through like some Etsy store or something. Awesome. Any poops this week? Uh, no, I mean I'll poop again on wizards for the arena world. So it was pretty bad. <laughs> Awesome. Um, all right, I'm gonna scoop in um, 13 year old gaming consoles. Uh, I, I was telling. I don't know if I mentioned the show, but in the pre show, I hooked up uh, hooked up the Wii for my kids. I have, I literally haven't turned it on in like nine years, and they've been having a blast with it. So I don't ever let them play video games. So it was fun to see them play a video game for the first time. Oh, and, you just you just made me feel so old when you said thirteen year old video game console. I'm like, oh, I wonder if he means the N sixty four or the GameCube. And oh no! Said, <laughs> and then he said no. the Wii, and I'm like, oh damn! Yeah, yeah. The Nintendo <laughs> Wii came out the same time as the Xbox three sixty. It was right around the same time as that in the PS three. So, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, also, want to shout out Tom Hep. He uh, he contacted me and was. Uh, very helpful in helping me um, uh, replace my monitor that broke at the open, <laughs> or I should say on the way home from the open. So I want to say thank you to him. He's just been a great friend and uh, awesome supporter of the show and just a good good overall guy. So happy to know him. Happy to have a friend like him. And uh, I'm going to poop on global warming because uh, even though the winter at work, because I've been working outside this whole winter, has been like pretty bearable. It's been like for the most part really nice. It's very concerning that like we're having 40 degree days in January and February. Uh, throughout throughout the entire winter, so forty uh, fifty degree days. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little 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 concerning. Uh, so I'm I'm pooping on global warming, and that's that's all I got this week. All right. Oh, also, I'm gonna scoop Dan in for becoming a new dad. Oh yeah, for sure. Congratulations on joining the dad club. It's a good club to be in. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll need all the uh, <laughs> thoughts and prayers I can get. The first, uh, <laughs> you don't get a lot of sleep in the beginning. I'll tell you that much. You don't get a lot of sleep ever. <laughs> <laughs> damn it pat don't crush Sorry. my dreams i was hoping that in a few months i'd be able to sleep again <laughs> i will say that uh yeah like if you get through the first six months it's uh it honestly comparatively it's kind of like smooth sailing after that you get your your restless nights the nights where you know your kids up sick or whatever those are kind of rough but if you have a good partner in it then uh then you guys would be a-okay i'm sure you guys need to do it just fine so uh nothing but nothing but smooth sailing from here out man for sure Thanks, Nita. Yeah, no, we're we're good. My wife is just incredible, so I, awesome. I'm not worried about any of it. Yep. I also uh, I also lucked out in the wife department, so um, uh, yeah, I feel you on that for sure. Um, all right. Well, Dan, if someone wants to get a hold of you, if they want to talk to you about pox or other magic related things or how to bring down this entire civilization with the power of computers, where would they find you? Um, I don't know. You really can't. I guess you can like <laughs> ping me on Facebook. I'm in the Leaving a Legacy group, but uh, you know, like I'm not on Twitter. I'm not 
I'm not hyperactive on uh, on Facebook, but you uh, there is like a contact link on the website. Um, you can submit a, a a form that'll ping me, send me an email, and I'll get back to you. Or just hit me up on Facebook. Yeah, uh, just what's your site again, just for the listeners? Yeah, the site is magic.fan. Um, you know, I'd, I'd enjoy feedback and tell me how bad the model currently is, and I'll tell you, I know, I know. <laughs> It'll get better. Um, and then as I add more things, you know, let me know how that goes. And if there's anything that you think could be added to the site, it'd be all yours. Um, but yeah, again, join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group if you haven't. It's a, you know, it's a, if not like a, if it's not a good place to actually have serious discussions about the legacy format, it's it's exceptionally entertaining, <laughs> and you'll be able to find me there. So. You'll be able to find good places that you'll be able to be directed to good places for for discussion. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Leave a legacy Facebook book uh, Facebook group is about eighty uh, percent memes, which is the exact ratio that I want it to be at. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's great. I mean, it brings a smile to my face. So, <laughs> yeah, and if and if any of our listeners have access to the Google server rooms and can hook Dan up so we can uh, we can crack the format wide open, it's appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've got free compute, let me know. Um, awesome all right well thanks so much for coming on dan it was great to have you thanks for having me guys of course uh don't forget to uh like follow subscribe all the stuff that we do uh you can find the podcast on twitter at lalmtg you can find jerry at jmee3rd you can find me at pat uglow the stream is twitch.tv slash living a legacy you can find us on patreon on hipsters join the facebook group like dan said and you can email us leaving a legacy at hipstersthecoast.com and of course want to just give a final shout out to justin lutz He's our audio tech sound engineer, and also uh, he's three dogs in a trench coat. I thought it was three ground togs in a trench coat. Oh, I might have I might have misspelled dogs. I might yeah, have misspelled ho- ground hogs, hogs and dogs. Yeah, I can see how that gets mixed up. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, well, thanks everyone for hanging out. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you all next week. See ya. Scoops. Never a the Daylight is not the jet. Let's go.